When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I was resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The title of this morning's lesson is Christ and Him crucified. Amen. You know what's amazing is that Paul enters the city and he goes, I just want to know one thing. I want you to know one thing. I want us all to know one thing. Christ and Him crucified. Years later, he wrote the book of Philippians. And in chapter 3, verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. And to become like him in his death. You know, we know that God does everything for a reason, right? Yeah. We know God sets up the times and places for us. And we know that every trial given to us is by God. Romans 8, 28. For the good of those who love him. Do we know that scripture? Yes. The question is, do we know the scripture after that? Look in Romans chapter 8. We love Romans 8, 28 because we go, oh, I know God's working things out for me because I love him. So surely he's doing everything to line up my life here on earth perfectly. But we cannot just stop in verse 28. Verse 29. For those God renew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Why is God doing everything in our life? To conform us to the image of his son. That's right. He's going, how can I make Sierra a little bit more like Jesus? Oh, ah, roommates. <laughs> Maybe I'll get her to struggle through her roommates. And then so she shows up to the sister's household and who didn't do the dishes? And she's going, why is this happening to me? I did my chores. And God's like, I just want to see if she's going to be a little bit more like Jesus. Now, what would Jesus do? Probably wash him. And then disciple the sisters for not doing their job. Amen? You see, God is using your spouse, your kids, your job, your health, your finances, all to make you more like Jesus. And if Paul at the end of his life he just wanted to know one thing. I want to know Christ and become like him in his death. Come on, bro. A lot of us look at Jesus and go, oh, I want to be like that guy. I mean, he's awesome. It says he's full of joy in Luke chapter 10. It says that he's full of grace in John chapter 1. He just looked like he was having fun in his life. Right? You don't look at a boring day in Jesus' life. Either he's going to be laying things out or he's going to be on top of a mountain Go make disciples of all nations. Mm. Or he's going to bring the kids with him. Hey guys, come over here, sit on my lap. You guys all got to become like little children. Being like Jesus was fun, but not all the time. And Paul didn't say, I want to become like Jesus in his preaching. He didn't say, I want to become like Jesus in his singing. Jesus did sing in Matthew 26. <laughs> he said, I want to be like Jesus in his death. Wow. When he thought about what he wants to imitate, I want to imitate Jesus on the cross. And you know, sadly, we live in a day where people do not preach the cross anymore. That's right, bro. And yet, turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Yesterday, we got to have an Easter egg hunt, since we're not going to be together for Easter. 
work to do in Portland. Amen? Amen. But Easter's not about eggs. As Joel mentioned, it's about the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, the church that was most struggling, do we have some strugglers this morning? It's okay to struggle as long as you're here ready to change. Amen? Amen. Verse 12, to the struggling church, Paul goes, what should I preach to them? Verse 12, if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then even Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith, and we could all go home and watch Sunday Night Football. <laughs> There's no Sunday Night Football. It says there's no reason we should gather this morning if there is no resurrection. It goes on later in this verse and it says we are like meant to be pitied if there was no resurrection. But yet there is no resurrection without the cross. You do not want to imitate Jesus in his death, then you're not going to imitate him in glory. And so I want us this morning to imitate the heart of Paul. Has anyone gotten to see that movie, Paul, yet? Yeah. Just me and Joel. <laughs> there was another nine people in attendance with us. <laughs> but this morning, I want us all to come to the foot of the cross. So let's hold hands in prayer and get ready to get into God's word. Amen? Amen. Father, we want to come before you as the saints in Seattle and the Pacific Northwest. Help us, God, to understand that everything going on in our life is to bring us to the foot of the cross, not to look up and just appreciate what Jesus did, but to look up and imitate what he did here on earth. God, I'm so inspired by the Seattle church, and I know that you look down on us and love us so much, but you also believe in us so much. And you've given us your one and only son to die for us, but also to set the example on how we should go about in our heart. And in our minds. God, we want to learn about Christ and Him crucified. And so this morning, help us to throw off anything that's hindering us. Anything that's bothering us. Any sin that's entangling us. And to come to your scriptures ready to give light and shed it into all of our situations. God, we love you. We don't deserve to be here this morning. But we're so grateful and we are ready to get into your word and open up our hearts. We love you and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go to John chapter 19. Amen. It says that our preaching is useless, but praise God Jesus did resurrect and the sermon has some purpose. Amen. Amen. John chapter 19. The sister told me right now, bro, I'm excited to hear a sermon. I'm going to sit down and strap up. Amen. When God's word is open, it's always time to strap up. Amen. Amen. This morning we're going to study the last seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. Because that right there was the greatest sermon ever preached. Yeah. It wasn't on a pulpit though, he was on a cross. Wow. And on the cross he has seven sayings that I believe we can learn and take home from this morning. Okay. The first one is in John 19. After Jesus had one of the longest nights of his life. Soldiers had flogged him. He had 12 hours of emotional pain, rejected by his closest friends, cruel beatings, sleepless nights of unjust hearings going from one governor to another. They stripped him of his clothes. 
legs. He was called to carry the cross two and a half miles to where he was going to be crucified. Wow. And it wasn't the whole cross, it was the patibulum that weighed about a hundred pounds. He couldn't even pick up the cross by himself. He collapsed on the way. And then there was Simon to help him pick up and carry the cross. Now, do you think Simon planned it in his day to pick up a cross? Do you think that when he looked at Jesus carrying the cross, he goes, ooh, I hope I get picked to carry it with him? No. It probably caught him by surprise. And it probably looked a little scary. And isn't that some of us when we started studying the Bible? None of us planned to start studying the Bible. None of us planned to start carrying the cross of Jesus. And yet here we are. And I could only imagine Simon carrying that cross with Jesus and being so close to him. And I could only imagine some of the words Jesus must have spoken to him that are not in the scriptures. The encouragement. You know he was impacted because he went home, baptized his little son, Rufus, who became a disciple. And then he got to baptize his wife that became a mother to Paul the Apostle. Wow. You see, a lot of us were caught by surprise coming to church this morning. You're caught by surprise as disciples, the kind of cross that God wants us to carry. But God knows we can handle it. That's right. And as we study the cross this morning, you'll get to see the glory in it. Amen? Amen. In John chapter 19, verse 28, it says, Later knowing that everything had now been fulfilled, so that the scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked the sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it with a sponge for Jesus' lips. The first saying of Jesus, I thirst. I thirst. He was up on the cross. And he was offered in another passage, myrrh, which numbs everything that he's going through. But he didn't want to relieve himself of the pain. You go, well, why did he drink wine here? This is actually a wine vinegar, which was the cheapest of all wines. Barely had any alcohol, so there was no type of relief. It was literally just to humiliate him on the cross. But he didn't take the myrrh. He remained on the cross, and he said, I thirst. You know, a lot of us, we're not used to going through pain. We're not used to going, I thirst. Because growing up, you're thirsty. You get drinks. Oh, you're hungry? You get fed. Jesus had the opportunity to escape the pain. But he didn't. That's right, bro. Do you still thirst for the living God? Because in the world, we got used to taking the murder. Oh, we're having a hard time in life? Go to drugs. Oh, you're not getting mad and satisfied? Go and be immoral. Go and start a relationship. Be filled with bitterness. But Jesus goes, I'm going to go through the pain. I'm not going to run to it. That's why I believe Paul said, I want to become like Christ. And it's easy to be content when you have everything you want. But he goes, I want to learn that secret of being on the cross and having nothing. And then just be able to say, I thirst. But I'm still praying. I'm still crying out to God. It's all I want. 
at the end of Paul's life, it's all he wanted, it's all he needed. I want to know Christ. I would have thought at 20, 30 years, you know Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I've been preaching Christ. I've been living for Christ. You would have thought, I know Christ. No, it's, I want to know Christ. Come on. I want to know his death. Mm. I believe if we learn this as a church, we learn to thirst and not run to sin when things get hard. Yeah. We're going to be able to know the power we hold as disciples. Amen? Amen. What's the second saying here in verse 30? Now, these are not in order because as much study as I did, I cannot find the order of them because Jews did not care so much about order. <laughs> so then we should just not either. Amen? <laughs> verse 30. When he had received the dream, Jesus said, it is finished. The second saying on the cross, it is finished. For thousands of years, it was prophesied that Jesus was to die on the cross. And yet now all the sufferings, all the agony, all the persecutions, he did it. And he says, it is finished. You know, it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. Right. Yeah. Amen. For me last week, I found out my, my, my parents in the faith fell away. Mm. And, it, and it hit my wife because she goes, what if I just persevere for 20, 30 years? Give my heart to the kingdom. And then at the end of my life, I take the myrrh mm. of bitterness, mm. of immorality, mm. of pride or sin or arrogance. Mm. And we have to take it back to the cross. Yeah. We could make it to the cross. Yeah. Not we could or we should, but we will and we must. Amen. Because just like Jesus finished with the help of Simon, <coughs> we're going to carry the cross and need the help of each other. Yeah, yeah. come on. We got to help carry each other home. For Jesus, he suffered the emotional, the physical pain. But he was able to say, it is finished. Yeah. Come on, bro. Come on. You know, we went to go see Paul Friday nights. Yeah. After our D time, it was the second D time watching Paul the Apostle Christ. <laughs> but he had many struggles to finish the race. Mm -hmm. There was a, a scene where he was in prison and he would wake up because he used to kill Christians. So you can imagine the temptation, suffering late at night thinking about those you killed. Wow. And he would wake up and go, Oh, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. I'll see them in heaven. I'll see them in heaven. He would wake up having nightmares about his sin. Mm. And, and you know why God chose Paul? He says why in 1 Timothy 1? Because he was the worst of sinners. Mm. Mm. Because God demonstrates that much patience with Paul. Mm. We were able to go, okay, that's how God forgave Paul. I, I know I could be forgiven. Right. Has there been a sin or a guilt that stopped you from even believing you could finish? If you're studying the Bible, you would go, I don't know if I can finish the Bible studies and get baptized. Mm. Look at the cross. And look at your life. What does it mean? Jesus didn't just finish like this. He started. In John 4, 34, he said, my food is to finish his work. Come on. While everyone else was eating in the town, Jesus was going, no, I've got to finish his work and get people to know God. That's right. Yeah. You know, this week in Seattle, we're on spring break, but in Seattle, you guys got the campus blitz going on. Yeah. And I know the temptation is going to be, I don't know if we can do it. Daddy has crazy ideas. You said how many? How long? Midweek is even pushed back. We 
got to finish his work. Yeah. And I know in Seattle, the job is not finished. Right. I know in Portland, the job is not finished. Mm. And if God has not finished his work in Seattle, then he's not finished with you. That's right. And just like Paul was used by God to the end of his life, I believe that we're going to be used by God to the end of our life. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. The third saying on the cross. Let's go to Matthew 27. Come on, Caesar. You know, through all the emotional, physical, all the pain Jesus went through, he didn't complain except here in Matthew 27. Verse 45. From noon about three, uh, until about three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus complained about one thing, being separated from God. He didn't care about all the other pain. He could have said, why do I got to get spit? Why do I got to get betrayed? Why does Judas need to come and to call me a friend and kiss me and then betray me? He just said, why have you forsaken me, God? You know that separation you have with your brother or sister or spouse when you sin against each other? I mean, I felt sin against this morning. My wife said, we'll be back in 30 minutes. We're going to go have a quiet time. Awesome. Me and Joe were like, no problem. Go get spiritual. They already are. But an hour and a half later, <laughs> so it felt. <laughs> and about six phone calls rejected. So like that. And then you gotta come, and there's five kids running around everywhere. And then you just just felt that, you know. We usually just greet each other with a kiss, but this time I'm just like, I'm so sorry. We did not mean to. We just, Kind of hard to be mad at someone else having a quiet time with the Lord, yeah. <laughs> Your prayer went, how long? <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> but that, that, that separation all of a sudden turned to, I forgive you, we're, we're closer now than this morning. But think about this for a second. Jesus, who committed no sin, right. took up all the sin of all people, of all time, all at once. That rejection he felt, he says, why God? Why have you forsaken me? That's what he complained about. What are you complaining about? What do we have to complain about? We should have only one complaint. Why am I separated from God? What's stopping me from separating from God? This brother, this sister, this person, this boyfriend or girlfriend. I know that doesn't happen next year. <laughs> to bring you closer to God. But sometimes, you know, why? <laughs> I just want to give you guys a challenge. If you're going to make any complaints, become like Jesus on the cross. I got one complaint. Why am I separated from God? Come on. Why don't I feel close to God? And that's what I got to fight after. Yeah. Come on. Jesus died on the cross. So we could have that torn temple that we could go in, in, in the holy temple and be yeah. with God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The fourth saying is in Luke 23. Let's turn there. Come on. Luke chapter 23. Come on, Peter. Come on, Peter. Come on, bro. In verse 34. says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The fourth saying on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And let's be honest, how many of us knew what we were doing before we studied the Bible? We had no idea what we were doing. We didn't know how to be close to God. I know for me growing up, I go, I want to be close to God. What does this mean? I remember going to my church, talking to a priest, and going, hey, um, I just want to know, how do I overcome sin? Because this is how much I'm sinning. I got impurity. I got anger. I got hate. I remember that day, the priest at the church told me, son, you are very young. So, masturbation, pornography, bitterness, that's normal. Now, you just got to say like a couple of prayers and, and, and you can know that you're right with God. I went home, that, that, that didn't make sense to me. So I can't change. We didn't believe we could change before we were disciples. We didn't think it was possible to change. When my wife did the Word of God study where we tell people we actually obey the Bible, she goes, no, you don't. She started laughing. <laughs> Colton oh Rome was leading the site. Manny's like, I need help. <laughs> she started laughing. She goes, no, you don't. You guys don't live out the Bible. Nobody does. We're just encouraged by it on Sundays. Colton was like, no, I actually obey the Bible. All of it. Yeah, all of it. The part where we're supposed to repent, the part where we're supposed to accept God's grace, the part where we're not to go on sinning, the part where we don't miss church, the part where we go make disciples of all nations, we're not just saying these things. We're actually going to do them. And I just want to encourage you, there's power in that. Because when you look at who's actually looking to the scriptures to obey them, you'll see crickets. They're nowhere. But we actually get up in the morning and say, let me read my Bible and put it in a practice today. We're not just looking at it as a mirror to go, that's how I look. We're saying, what do I need to change? And yet when we have light, we could live a life like Jesus, even on the cross. Come on. Going through emotional and physical pain. He looks at the people that are doing this to him. He goes, Father, forgive them. You know, we all carry a certain guilt for what we've done. Yeah. And that's why being a disciple is so beautiful. Yeah. The day you were baptized, you were completely forgiven by God. I remember that day, April 11, 2010. I keep it in my door, on my screensaver, because I need to remember I'm forgiven by God. That day, I was in Phoenix, Arizona for I don't know what reason. It was some retreat. We're in the middle of the desert. But I get up out of the waters. I barely know anyone in the church, but this is my family. Because I'm forgiven and they're forgiven. Awesome. 
And then trials came. And then I could forget that I'm forgiven. You know what's amazing is that with the power of being forgiven, you could forgive others. There's a story in Sao Paulo, Brazil. We have an amazing church there of over 200 disciples. Amen. But in the church, there's these three sisters. They're the older remnant three sisters that everybody loves. And yet, these three sisters have a powerful story. They got baptized in the early days of the movement. They, they, they have a fourth sister, though, that sadly was going through some crazy trials with her husband to the point where things got so bad, the husband started beating her. And one day he got so overwhelmed with hate and bitterness that he grabbed the gun and shot her. And the fourth sister died. He then grabbed a gun, put it on his neck, and because he was nervous, when he shot himself, the bullet went through his mouth and out his right eye. And he survived. He was taken to prison for 20 years. And yet, a few months ago, he got out. But he remembered something. The three sisters that were left, because they were disciples, they forgave him. They would actually even go visit him in prison frequently. With the kids. This is your uncle. Get to meet him. They showed him the love of Jesus because nobody else would. What is the world going to think of this man? He doesn't deserve love. And yet because of the power of forgiveness. Come on. This man a few months ago got out of prison. He started to be open to these three sisters sitting down with them and showing them scriptures. At the same time, he got stage four cancer. He started studying the Bible. And two weeks ago, he got baptized. And last week, he passed away and went on to glory. But does he deserve it? No! But do you deserve it? You don't deserve forgiveness of sins. But we often forget because we, we, we look nice on the outside. And we forget we put Jesus on the cross. Are you having a hard time forgiving somebody? Are you having a hard time forgiving yourself? Jesus goes, I died for this stuff. I died so that you can be forgiven. And people are forgiving that baptism. And anything that's stopping you from getting baptized, you just love more than God. I want to challenge you guys. Look to someone that you haven't fully forgiven. And go, I'm going to forgive this person with all my heart. And not just that, I'm going to go above and beyond and love this person. Look to your own sins and go, nothing is worth it. I'm going to repent and be forgiven by God. And even on the cross, we can look down and say, forgive them, God. Look in John chapter 19. John chapter 19. The fifth saying of Jesus on the cross is in John 19, verse 25. It says, near the cross of Jesus 
stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. All three Marys were there by Jesus' side. Amen. It's good to have your mama with you. <laughs> Verse 26. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. And this is John writing this going, I took her into his home. He was a very humble man. <laughs> the disciple whom Jesus loved. You've got to love that about John. He just knew Jesus loved him. <laughs> the fifth saying on the cross, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Mm. Don't you just love that? He's going through a hard time. And you know what that temptation is? Pull back from the family of God. Oh, I don't know if I can make it to the time. I don't know if I can make it to this Bible study. I'm going through a hard time. Just goes at the hardest time of his life. He's going, hey, mom, this is your son. Now, at this time, Mary was a widow because Joseph had died. And Mary had other sons. But Jesus goes, I want a disciple to take care of my mom. Oh, wow. he, he prioritized his spiritual family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And when you become a disciple... Isn't that one of the biggest challenges? Yeah. It's always funny to go, no, that's not the biggest. No, Jesus knows it's your biggest challenge. Yeah. That's why he says you got to hate your father, mother, brother, sister, and even your own life. Because these are the people that influence you the most growing up. Yeah. And now Jesus is saying, Jesus needs to be your biggest influence. He says, son, behold your mother. That spiritual union of the family is what Jesus was concerned about on the cross. Yep. I love the movie Paul. <laughs> and there's a point in that scene where he woke up and he's having one of those nightmares, but then he turns around to Luke. He goes, Luke, I praise God that you are with me. I don't know what I would do without you. Amen. Yeah. Then I turned over to Joel and Courtney. I just got to be able to, in my heart, say the same thing. I just go, Joe and Courtney. No one likes someone to talk, so I didn't say it out loud. <laughs> Praise God that we, we have each other. Yeah. That we're in the battle yeah. together. Yeah. Please pass me the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> and the drink we're sharing. <laughs> but isn't it great to be together as family? Yeah. yeah. And look in Mark chapter 10. All right. Come on, we oftentimes forget this. Don't we? And Mark 10, Peter forgot this. Not our Peter, amen? <laughs> Peter was going through a hard time. Why? Because a rich young man was on the predictions list to get baptized that week, but he didn't make it. Because greed came in. Jesus looked at him and said, go and sell everything and then be my... Jesus, he already knelt down. They probably have doubts and they're probably going, man, how are we going to evangelize the world if... If someone that's on his knees can't even get baptized, Jesus. Wow. And then he said, with God, all things are possible. Mm. But it didn't really hit Peter. Isn't it funny when sometimes somebody disciples me and tells you something awesome, but it still doesn't creep them. Right. And Jesus goes, with God, all things are possible. And then Peter, verse 28, says, Peter spoke up. Now, when someone speaks up, they're not having a nice attitude about it, right? <laughs> Peter spoke up. Probably a little extra.
extra loud. That's why it says spoke up. Peter was always a little extra everything, right? <laughs> what did he speak? We have left everything to follow you. What is he thinking about? All the stuff I left in the world. He's going, man, Jesus, is it worth it? I've left everything. I've given up my fishing career. I remember fishing with my dad. Remember Mark chapter 1? Jesus said, come follow me, Simon. And he just got out of the boat. It looked really exciting. Like some of us, when we got baptized, this is exciting. I'm going to be a disciple. And then you go through those trials. And then you look back and you start missing stuff. Peter was at this point. He goes, I've given up everything. I think it's pretty cool that he could say that. Because I had to ask, could I say that to Jesus if he was here? Wow. Could I speak up and, Jesus, I've left everything to follow you. Wow. Wow. Now, if I was Jesus, I'd be pretty upset and probably want to disciple him. But I'm not Jesus. In verse 29, this is how he responds. I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or feels for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, feels, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Yeah. He had to remind them, you have a lot to look forward to. Yeah. But check this, not just in heaven, in this present age. Yeah. You know, I notice as disciples, we can bounce back and forth to two pendulums. Yeah. We can say, oh, I'm just waiting for heaven. So, oh, my life's not going to be that good here. I am a poor. Oh. <laughs> life is hard, but I can't wait to get to heaven. <laughs> and yet, Jesus didn't say everything's going to be in heaven waiting for you. Yeah. Actually, he did say it, but he said it's also going to be more. Because you're going to have a hundred times much more here on earth. Oh, come on. That means we should have the kingdom of God here on earth. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I just love being with you guys. Because it's a taste of heaven. Yeah. The purity of getting to go around and meet all the new brothers and sisters from Seattle. Nice. Yeah. There was a joy in that. And that's what's going to happen in heaven. We're going to meet the new brothers and sisters that we didn't know. There's going to be brothers and sisters from all kinds of nations that we, we can't speak the same language, but in heaven we will, and they'll thank us for the missions and for the sacrifices. But we need to learn how to be family. You know, when I was first baptized, I never had any sisters, so I had to get used to how to have sisters. And I share this because we got to learn to be family in the church. Right. Come on, bro. Talk about it. I got baptized. You know it's the most encouraging day of your life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the sister pulls me aside. <laughs> oh, she yes. bro, uh -oh. I just want to talk to you about something. Yeah, what's going on? He goes, I think I can help you out with your acne. <laughs> I'm like, I grew up with four brothers. We don't talk about acne. <laughs> just act like it's not there. <laughs> He goes, don't worry, I'm a dermatologist. I know this stuff. It doesn't help. <laughs> but she became my sister. Oh, and I love Shay. She leaves the church in Dallas. <laughs> and then another sister, the second interaction with a sister. Hey, bro, I want to share with you a scripture. Awesome, sharing scriptures. It's First Peter 2. Now that you tasted the Lord is good, grow up in your salvation. I just want to share, brother. You grow up now that you're baptized. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like that was my introduction to like how to have sisters. And then I needed to learn how to have brothers. And then I baptized my first person. And I needed to learn how to have a son that has diapers that need to be changed spiritually. And I was a baby that needed to have my diapers changed. I need to learn how to be a baby. And I share all that to say, if you're in the church, you need to learn. And how are we going to do this? Come back and look at Jesus on the cross. He's with my family. Woman, behold your son. I want to challenge you this week. Go and tell your father, you're my father. Because I learned, especially through this last week, can't rely on a few people to be my father, my mother, my brothers. Jesus says you'll have a hundred times much. I got a hundred times much. And if Jesus says it, that settles it, amen? That's right. We have that in the kingdom. Yeah. But you need to go after it and verbalize it and tell them who they are. Mm-hmm. Look in Luke chapter 23. Come on, bro. 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 I asked Joe after the kids kingdom, was that too many scriptures? He goes, no, bro. <laughs> We're going to be flipping the Bible today, man. Amen. Don't you love those pages flipping, that noise? It shows we're getting into the word of God, amen? In Luke 23, verse 44. Come on, bro. It was now about noon, and darkness had come over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The sixth saying is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Then Jesus died. And the sun began to shine. He was on the cross from noon Till about three in the afternoon. And at three o'clock is when he died. Which probably explains why in the New Testament their time of prayer was three o'clock. They got to gather and think about Jesus' death. Wow. I always thought this was interesting. That the sun was out as soon as Jesus died. But yet it was darkness throughout the whole land. I thought I would do it a little different. I go, Jesus is on the cross. There should be darkness. And then when he dies, the sun came out. Mm. Because Jesus died, we would look at it and go, why? Why did Jesus die? Now there should be darkness. Like some of our trials, and we go, this is darkness. But yet God is using it. Just like Jesus died on the cross, brought the sun out, because that's when the temple was torn into. It's the same thing. We, we freak out from the things that are in our life here on earth. But Jesus is concerned about the things that are in heaven. Yeah. Right. Right. I always love when Jesus rebuked the disciples. Because it's funny. <laughs> like in Matthew 16, Jesus is like, I'm going to have to go on the cross. And, Jesus, and Peter goes, never Lord. That should never happen to you. Get behind me, Satan. And then after that, he goes, all of you must go to the cross. 
And all of us must suffer. Because why are you tripping that I need to go on the cross? We all need to go. We're all going to die on the cross. And yet, when you look at Jesus, you go, man, he, he died. But Jesus said, that's when the sun comes out. That's right. Because of his death, so many are able to now see that temple be torn into and go to the most holy place. Yeah. Times of darkness are going to come if they haven't came. Yeah. I asked Joel, you know, what's something I should be mindful of? Because there's a lot of new Christians. Look, new Christians, you're going to go through a honeymoon stage mm -hmm. where everything is awesome. Remember how this is a taste of heaven? Yeah. Like you, when I first got baptized, I didn't know how to clap. <laughs> just trying to catch me and I'm like, oh, I give up. And then someone just happens to me you're not clapping. I'm like, just trying to keep up with the singing, but I better learn to love it because in heaven, we're going to be doing a lot of singing. Oh, yeah. Then there was temptations to not be close to the brothers. I better love them. These are the people I'm going to spend with eternity. I mean, I'm going to have my own room, but I have a feeling people are going to come over. I got to learn to love God and learn to have quiet times. Because in heaven, it's going to be a long, quiet time with God. Mm. Yeah. i got to learn to love God's word. Come learn on. to love his temple. Come on. And we got to learn to love trials. Yeah. Yeah. And so trials will come. You know, as a young Christian, my wife, in the darkest day of her life, she would say as a disciple. She was on this campus, Loma Linda University. It was a seventh-day Adventist school. Not open. Yeah. <laughs> so she started a Bible talk and... Let's just say we started calling her Jeremiah, the lonely prophets. And then as time went on, her name was changed to the weeping prophets. But one day she, she had a Bible study with a woman. And, she, and Debbie found out some news that was so heartbreaking that in the Bible study she said, I just want to get out of this Bible study and go to the bathroom and cry. I, nothing inside of me wanted to do this Bible study. But she said, I'm going to persevere to help this woman. Amen. Persevere. But yet this woman decided to walk away from God because of a, a, a man. She said, oh, I just love my relationship more than I love being a disciple. When she tried to make it about other things, I don't really understand why we need to break up. I don't really understand if this is necessary. So she went on her own way. It took her four years. She got married with him. And because the foundation was not discipleship, it did not go well. She called Debbie up. They had moved to the East Coast. She called Debbie up and said, even though I didn't finish the studies, I'll never forget what a disciple is. I'll never forget what the kingdom is. I'll never forget that you showed me what a true Christian is. What do I need to do to get right with God? She said this, what Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Yeah. Remember, Jesus said, you must give up everything, not most things, not some of the things, not the things that are convenient to give up. He said everything. Yeah. Until she said, Father, I give you everything. Mm. Then it was easy to be inside. Yeah. Then he said, well, the first thing, you got to move to Portland, mm. Oregon, mm. because that's where you're spiritually going to do well. Yeah. She could have moved to another church in the East Coast, but the relationship she doesn't have with anyone else. So go, come to Portland, Oregon. She said, I'm there. I'm going to talk to my husband. And a few months ago, she talked to her husband. She moved to Portland, Oregon. She got baptized a few months ago. Last week, she did communion and shared the whole story with the whole church. Wow. What is that one thing that you're just, I got to, I got to surrender to God. I got to surrender and give him my all so that I could be right with him. 
You know, the last saying on the cross is right here in verse 43. It says, Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Come on. Even on the cross, he was able to look to the left and share his faith. Come on. Wow. Come on. Even on the cross, it's going to get hard this week with Campus Blitz. It's going to get hard this week, maybe as a, a married person in the church, because you got your own drama being a married. That's just drama being married. <laughs> you got kids. It's even more drama with the kids. You're a single. There's single drama. <laughs> but even on the cross, you can look to the left. Yeah, come on, come on, bro. That person might not be open, though. And he wasn't open. He was actually mocking Jesus on the cross. Yeah. But he turned over to the right, and this guy was open. Yeah. And she said, I will be with you in paradise. Wow. I will be with you in heaven. The last saying on the cross is, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen. Let's close with 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Come on. Come on. Come on. There's glory in the cross. Not many of us believe this because of how we grew up. I know for me growing up, I went to my church, and what did I see? I saw a man on the cross that was very sad, dying, crown of thorns. It's a very vivid picture of Jesus dying. But how does that make any power or any difference in my life? But we better understand the church. Because that's the one thing Paul wanted to understand. Yep. Yeah. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8. It says, we are hard pressed on every side. Does that explain any of our weeks? <laughs> but not crushed. We are perplexed. But not in despair. You see, perplexed in the Greek means not sure what to do. You ever have any not sure what to do's in your week? He goes, I have a lot of, I don't know what to do. But he goes, but not in despair. Verse 9, we're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Or in another version, we're knocked down, but we're not knocked out. Verse 10, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. And since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All of this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause overflow of thanksgiving to the glory of God. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Paul goes, man, I am so filled with life. 
I keep getting knocked down. But he goes, I'm not knocked out. I keep being in situations where I don't know what to do. But I'm not lost. I may not know what to do right here, but I know who I'm doing it for, and I know the grand picture of what I'm doing. He goes, we're we're persecuted, but not abandoned. You know, in the movie Paul, Priscilla and Aquila are shown, and they're very interesting characters. Because in the Bible, Priscilla was the leader. That's why her name was first, Priscilla and Aquila. This was Paul's woman's ministry leader. In the movie, she was definitely the leader as well. And Luke entered the town when the Rome church was being heavily persecuted, many deaths. And so Luke comes, he goes, Priscilla, what should we do? Aquila answers, I think we should leave Rome. Priscilla says, bro, no, bro. (laughs) We need to stay. And Luke goes, with so much risk here in Rome, Priscilla, why would you want to stay? She said, yes, Luke. The city in Rome is in a darker place than it's ever been before. But we are the only lights in the city. There are many people in need of a physician. If we leave because of the risk, we condemn the city. And then she turned to the whole crowd and said, Brothers and sisters, don't forget Jesus said, We are the sheep among the wolves. I can't help but to think of the church in Seattle. Because many built this church giving everything up. Mothers, fathers, apartments. And they moved to Seattle to start this church. And every fruit counts. Every person made it worth it. But you know what? Seattle will become a home to you. You're going to love it. You're going to have mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters. And we were just told in the Pacific Northwest, we got to send disciples to Columbus, Ohio, which we're fired up to do this year. We're going to send disciples from Seattle, prayerfully, down to also L.A. to help raise up more Crown of Thorns churches. There'll be some of you that are in Columbus, Ohio in eight months. And you're going to be in Ohio. What did I just get myself into? (laughs) You're going to be asked, can you go to Columbus, Ohio? And you're going to have to look it up on the map. Where is that? <laughs> and you're going to have to come back to giving everything up. Yeah, come on. And I, I pray that this study helps you to understand. Tell me short. Yeah. Take back and go, anything I'm going through in life, i come back to wanting to be more like Christ in his death. Because in Philippians 3.20, we don't have to turn there because I already promised you it was the last scripture and Joel's standing there anticipating to come to the close. But in Philippians 3.21, it says, Our lowly bodies will be transformed to be like His glorious body. Isn't that amazing? Amen. If you carry the death of Jesus every day, because Jesus knows that we have loopholes, right? I did deny myself last week, last year, last mission team. No, if you decide, I'm going to deny myself daily and carry my cross, actually Give myself over to death. Carry his body with us. He goes, then you're going to have a new body. Because if we were to go 
and see what the actual picture of Jesus looks like, he would not be hanging on a cross because he resurrected. And now his body, imagine if we saw that in front of the church. His new body. You guys have read Revelation 1 and seen Jesus' new body? What are some of the things? Eyes of fire. We shouldn't do that, His eyes of blazing fire. The sword in his right hand. Riding on a horse. His hair like white, like snow. I mean, his thighs are bronze with Lord of Lords tatted on his thigh. His glorious body is also one we're going to have. And wouldn't you like to have a new body? Because of your lowly body? No offense, but that's what God calls it. This morning, I've been waking up to run every morning. I woke up this morning, and my right knee is killing me. I'm not making excuses. I couldn't even stand on it. I just go, oh, man, I'm getting old. I don't know what's going on. And then uh, I, I just know as time, as I get older, God's going to remind me I need a new body. There's going to be problems. I was even hearing in the fellowship, you know, Leanne's like laying someone, you got to be better. You know? Someone else is, you know, Tim was telling me like, you know what, my mom's going through a very hard time. She doesn't have much time to live. My father's going through a lot of physical disabilities as well. He doesn't have much time to live yet. We gotta be praying for Tim's family, yeah. right? Let's go. Yeah. We're all gonna go through that stage where we start seeing, I need a new body. And if you carry the, the death of Jesus every day and you decide, I'm gonna give up everything in heaven, you're gonna receive that new body. Yeah. Whatever you don't like here, I know I'm gonna have strong knees in heaven. I don't know if I need to run, but I'm gonna be running, flying. I went to the barbershop the other day. You guys seen The Greatest Showman? Yeah! I just showed up to the barbershop. I showed him a picture of Hugh Jack. I said, could you do this? He's like, no, you don't have that kind of hair. <laughs> what about Zach Efron? He's like, that'll do it. <laughs> but I know in heaven, I'm going to be going to Samson's barbershop. Oh, yeah. Get that Delilah haircut. <laughs> we were surprised in Hebrews 11, Samson actually made it to heaven. Isn't that amazing? He's in the hall of faith. We're going to be surprised in heaven for some of us that made it. Dude, you made it! I thought you fell away. Praise God. Awesome. We might be surprised of some of us that didn't make it. But I know I'm going to go all out in heaven. Come on. I'm going to get that fresh faith. I'm going to have the voice. I can't sing too well, but in heaven, from now on, my hair, my body, it's going to be transformed. If you're having back pains, you won't have that in heaven. If you're watching yourself, how you eat, you won't need to do that. No diets, no diabetes, no nothing that's going to make you struggle. But we got to help each other get there. Yes. And so let's help each other carry our cross daily. And just if we have to know one thing, Christ and Him crucified. Amen? Amen. I love you guys. Let's make it to the end. Right.